I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, uh, where we'll be reviewing the new Tom Cruise film, Oblivion. But before that, we have got what we've been watching, the quiz, and all the other guff that comes with us. Uh, I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And making his first appearance on this podcast, Carl Vaggio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you fucker. Or better known as James Diamond. Hello. Or Jimmy D. Yeah. Jimmy D. That's what I'm going with now. How calls you Jimmy D. That's it, yeah. Yeah, me and me and Xander Armstrong. We're like that. Are you the new Ben Miller? <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'll I'll go for that. Um yeah, I'll take that happily. Right. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, we've got no news this week. Nothing's been happening in the world of film. Literally nothing. Yeah, it's been a bit boring. There's there's some new um, bits up on the site, but apart from that. Um, and Jerry's long-awaited 2003, after my very, very long-awaited 1962 went up in our decade of film. So that, that'll be up around the time you get this podcast. Yeah. Lovely. I'd better finish that off, hadn't I? Oh right, okay. It's not quite finished, is it? I thought I thought you'd finished it. I saw a draft up there. I'll let you. I'll give. I'll give you tomorrow to look at it. It's very draft. It's very draft. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Uh, best kick off straight into the quiz. I can't remember what the scores are. I think it's Owen one and Jerry. I've one. got one. No, no, Dave. Jerry's not got anything yet. Jerry's yeah, I'm zero. Because he's shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. This week, the quiz starts thusly. The Great Escape. Rosebud. Gandhi. James. <coughs> yes, James. Is it uh, Richard Attenborough? It is indeed. I was oh. going to end the list with Jurassic Park, Miracle on 34th Street, and The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Nailed it. I'm good at this quiz. I'm better at this now. I'm fucking pointless, I tell you that. <laughs> Yes. Right then, so on to what we've been watching, uh, with James now taking a lead in this revamped version of the quiz. Uh, so you can kick us off then, James. What have you been watching? Okay, uh, yeah, this week I've, I've re-watched a few modern classics, um, and it's nice to see they still hold up for me. So I watched um, Wally again for the first time in about a year. Uh, my daughter suddenly got massively obsessed with it, and she kind of takes it in turns with Pixar films and Disney films and all sorts of things. Are you sure you didn't, you didn't accidentally watch Oblivion? 
Uh, hey, I was just going to say it is kind of ironic actually because um, it does a number of elements uh, from it do heavily inspire this week's main release. But um, yeah, it's still one of my favourite Pixar films. Absolutely love it. Also watched The Fugitive again for the first time in years, um, which is great and hopefully is going to make an appearance in the next 90s decade piece in 1993 from Kate. But the film I really want to talk about is Feston otherwise known as The Celebration, which, when I checked earlier today, was just about clinging on to 250th place in the IMDb Top 250. So, at the moment, I don't want it to drop out, because I've seen it now. So, um, (laughs) I gave it a good, hefty vote uh, to try and keep it in there. And also, because I really liked it, um, it's directed by Thomas Vinterberg, although it is the first Dogma 95 film. Um, Dogma was a... Uh, well, I'll, I'll explain Dogma in a second, but uh, for those who don't know, but it was a, a manifesto started by Danish filmmakers led by Thomas Winterberg and La- Lars von Trier. Now, this one is a it's a Danish film about a 60th birthday celebration for a rich family patriarch. Everyone gathers at the family hotel, um, but a confession stroke accusation then threatens to tear the family apart. I think what what I will say is it's not the prettiest film to watch for a number of reasons, and it's probably got probably got the worst production values of any of the films in the IMDb Top 250. Again, Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, uh, where we'll be reviewing the new Tom Cruise film, Oblivion. But before that, we have got what we've been watching, the quiz, and all the other guff that comes with us. Uh, I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And making his first appearance on this podcast, Carl Vaggio. Ah, <laughs> uh, you fucker. <laughs> or better known as James Diamond. Hello. Or Jimmy D. Yeah. Jimmy D. That's what I'm going with now. Pal calls you Jimmy D. That's it, yeah. Yeah, me and me and Xander Armstrong. We're like that. Are you the new Ben Miller? <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'll I'll go for that. Um yeah, I'll take that happily. Right. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, we've got no news this week. Nothing's been happening in the world of film. Literally nothing. Yeah, it's been a bit boring. There's there's some new um, bits up on the site, but apart from that. Um, and Jerry's long-awaited 2003, after my very, very long-awaited 1962 went up in our decade of film. So that, that'll be up around the time you get this podcast. Yeah. Lovely. I'd better finish that off, hadn't I? Oh right, okay. It's not quite finished, is it? I thought I thought you'd finished it. I saw a draft up there. I'll let you. I'll give. I'll give you tomorrow to look at it. It's very draft. It's very draft. <laughs> All right then. Uh, best kick off straight into the quiz. I can't remember what the scores are. I think it's Owen one and Jerry. I've one. got one. No, no, Jake. Jerry's not got anything yet. Jerry's yeah, I'm zero because he's shit. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this week, the quiz starts thusly. The Great Escape. 
Rosebud. Gandhi. James. <coughs> yes, James. Is it uh, Richard Attenborough? It is indeed. I was oh. going to end the list with Jurassic Park, Miracle on 34th Street, and The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Nailed it. I'm good at this quiz. I'm better at this than I am. Fucking pointless, I tell you that. <laughs> yes. Right then. So on to what we've been watching uh, with James now taking a lead in this revamped version of the quiz. Uh, so you can kick us off then, James. What have you been watching? Okay, uh, yeah, this week I've, I've re-watched a few modern classics, um, and it's nice to see they still hold up for me. So I watched um, Wally again for the first time in about a year. Uh, my daughter suddenly got massively obsessed with it, and she kind of takes it in turns with Pixar films and Disney films and all sorts of things. Are you sure you didn't, you didn't accidentally watch Oblivion? Uh, hey, I was just going to say it is kind of ironic, actually, because um, it does... A number of elements uh, from it do heavily inspire this week's main release. But, um, yeah, it's still one of my favourite Pixar films. Absolutely love it. Also watched The Fugitive again for the first time in years, um, which is great. And hopefully is going to make an appearance in the next 90s decade piece in 1993 from Kate. But the film I really want to talk about is Feston otherwise known as The Celebration, which, when I checked earlier today, was just about clinging on to 250th place in the IMDb Top 250. So, I don't want it to drop out, because I've seen it now. So, um, (laughs) I gave it a good, hefty vote uh, to try and keep it in there. And also, because I really liked it. Um, It's directed by Thomas Vinterberg, although it is the first Dogma 95 film. Um, Dogma was a... Uh, well, I'll, I'll explain Dogma in a second, but uh, for those who don't know, but it was a, a manifesto started by Danish filmmakers led by Thomas Winterberg and La- Lars von Trier. Now, this one is a it's a Danish film about a 60th birthday celebration for a rich family patriarch. Everyone gathers at the family hotel, um, but a confession stroke accusation then threatens to tear the family apart. I think what what I will say is it's not the prettiest film to watch for a number of reasons and it's probably got probably got the worst production values of any of the films in the IMDb top 250 again because of this dogma manifesto which insists on certain techniques and standards um which actually make this film feel quite like a family video at times uh, it, it feels very amateurish but the genius of this the genius of the film in this particular case and the genius of using this manifesto is that it actually really adds to the film's atmosphere on tone it all, almost becomes um documentary style uh, which combined with some really really good performances make this film very, very believable. A few rules are broken. I'm just going to read out some of the Dogma 95 rules, though. For those who don't know the Dogma 95 rules, film filming must be done on location. Props and sets must not be bought in. If a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where this prop is found. Um, sound must never be produced apart from the images or vice versa. Music must not be used unless it occurs within the scene. Uh, camera must be a handheld camera at all times. The film must not take place where the camera is standing. Film is must take place where the action takes place. Um, must be in colour. Special lighting is not acceptable. Optical work and filters are forbidden. And it can't contain any superficial action. So murders and weapons, for example, must not occur. 
it's got to take place in the here and now. Genre movies are not acceptable. Uh, the film format must be Academy 35mm. And lastly, the director must not be credited. So you don't actually get that this is directed by anyone. It's just we know that it's a, a Thomas Vinterberg film. But the great thing... Um, so it, at times it looks terrible, but the acting pulls it through. It's, it's a very, very shocking story. And I'm not going to go into details about what the story is because I think it's better if you watch it quite fresh if you've not seen it and you don't have a clue as to what's going to happen. But I do think the actors do well with some very, very difficult material. And the other great thing about it, it is very funny in places. And actually the humour from the film stops it becoming quite a drudge to watch and it keeps it... it it keeps you going through some pretty pretty tough moments in the film. I, I'm, I really really enjoyed it. I was I was not expecting it to be as um, I, I, it it drew me in. I wasn't expecting it to draw me in as much as it did. Um, it yeah, I think it is a it's a very very good film, and it won the Cannes Jury Prize, and I think it was ninety five. So. Um, Definitely worth a watch, and you can actually find it on a lot of... I got it on Google Play, uh, for example. I got it on Google Play for 99p to rent it on my tablet. So it's available pretty cheap in most places, and I really, really enjoyed it. And Vinterberg actually went on to direct The Hunt last year, which was one of my favourite films starring Mass Mikkelsen um, that I saw in the whole of last year. So really, really recommend that. Excellent. Uh, so, any other films for you to review this week? No, 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 that's it. Like I say, I've, I've watched a few other, but I only wanted to talk about that one mainly. But, so that that's it. I wanted to try and watch um, The Place Beyond the Pines today, but I didn't get time. Okay. Um, Jerry, how about you then? What have you watched this week? Um, well, obviously Game of Thrones is back, so my time is getting taken up by Game of Thrones. Mad Men is also back, so lots of TV. Yeah. Watching both of those, yeah. Veep, Veep was back um, this week as well, so was there's it? a load of really good TV. Yeah, Veep started on HBO last night, and it's available in the usual places. Uh, okay, not on TV, though. <laughs> not on Sky. No, 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 I don't have Sky Atlantic anyway, so it's always the usual places. <laughs> Immediately prior to uh, recording, Broadchurch was on as well, which I keep banging on about absolutely top. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that all uh, like on DVD or something. It's too late for me to start it now. I'll, I'll wait for it on DVD and, and splurge on it on a weekend. It's, it's well worth it. It's it, yeah. it very good. Um, and Studio Ghibli films, which I'm sort of holding back for when we actually talk about Studio Ghibli films. Um, just Probably a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah. Um, just a quick one from a few weeks back, actually. Uh, I watched Cloud Atlas while it was still around in the cinemas on a small amount of screens. Uh, won't talk too great detail about it because it's been talked about on here before but um, I really liked it yeah um, I know a lot of people don't like it you know I think it's confusing I like that it, it it treated the viewer with respect it assumed a bit of yeah. intelligence um, you know it, it was visually stunning obviously but it, it was kind of audacious in the narrative structure and, and the scale of it and I really I admired that I don't think it quite achieved what it wanted to do all the time but I admired the fact that they were really reaching for something superb, and I think it it, you know, it was it was a level above your average blockbuster. Mm. So yeah, that's it. Short and sweet. It's very uh, well worth a watch. You need to concentrate though. Not a background film by any means. <laughs> no. 
I really wanted to see Cloud Atlas. I'm still a bit angry that it didn't get a wider release. Yeah, it it got it, it just got shit on basically by yeah. uh, by the wrong people. Um, by the time I saw it, I think it was on like the on cinema. It was on once a day, or well, you know, yeah. not not even every day. So. You know, yeah, I mean, I would have had to go quite far out of my way to see it. I think the nearest cinema that was actually showing it... Then, well, I've got, like, two Cineworlds. I'm sort of equidistant between the two of them. I'm about, there's about ten miles to either one, really. The nearest mm. Cineworld that was showing it was about 25 miles away. So there's two right next to me, and neither of them showed it. So, I was, yeah, I was really annoyed about that. That was my right. little rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And Owen, what have you watched this week? I watched um, a really interesting Korean film called The Man From Nowhere, um, which is... Uh, I watched it because um, it stars a guy called uh, Won Bin, or Bin Won, depending on where you read about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, it draws a lot of comparisons with other revenge thrillers like um, Taken and Old Boy and that kind of thing, because it is, you know, it is essentially a, a revenge thriller itself. Um, but it kind of has its own identity. It, it does share the genre with those kind of films, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more sophisticated, I guess, in a way. Um, I mean, it helps that the film has such a charismatic lead actor in 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 in, in uh, Bin One. He kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Keanu Reeves. So you've got to bear with me here, because I know he's not the most obvious mm. choice when someone considers a charismatic lead. Um, but he, he's got that kind of presence about him that he just carries throughout the movie. So there's mm. little things like just a sort of slight shift in his stance or a little glance over his shoulder occasionally. And he seems to say mm-hmm. a lot more um, than if he just opened his mouth and just looked at someone and said, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to go and save that person. You know what I mean? It's just kind of mm. the way that he carries himself throughout the film is, is quite impressive. So, um, yeah, the, the way that I came to watch this film, actually, was, um, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, that I use a site called letterboxd.com to record the films I watch. And I started um, a conversation on there about who I, who I think is the sort of the rising stars of the action genre, so people like, you know, we've mentioned before, Scott Adkins and um, people like that. So someone called Zapper Life recommended I check out this Bin One guy. And he's really good. I would I would really recommend this film. Uh, as far as the, the story goes for the film, for, for um, The Man From Nowhere, it's, I mean, it is kind of a standard revenge story. So, so mm-hmm. you know, the main character is quite depressed. He lives in this sort of solitary existence in this apartment and um across the across the way from him is um this this family it's a mom who's addicted to heroin and is involved with these gangs but she's got a young daughter and the young daughter keeps going over to um uh bin one's apartment and stuff and so he kind of she's the only person who really tries to talk to him and as the, the film progresses you learn why he he sort of lives this isolated um, existence and, and then why he eventually goes on to get revenge when the girl's mom is um, killed or she's kidnapped she's kidnapped in, in, as part of the plot and um, the little girl ends up being involved in and he goes out to try and rescue her so it's got quite a, a sort of standard revenge basis to it but it's it's as I say it's really kind of sophisticated so the pace of the film Although there are bits in it which are really quite gruesome, actually. There's some really, like, ultra-violent scenes in it. 
it's not focused around that. It's focused around the story of this one guy. So compare it to Taken. You know, that is all about Liam Neeson's on a mission. He's going to go and get his family, and then that's that's going to be it. In in this, it's a little bit different, and it's about building this character and this sort of personal journey that he goes on whilst getting revenge and stuff. So yeah, it's really good. I definitely recommend it. It's um quite a, I think it was one of the highest grossing Korean films ever, actually. Um, I don't know if it did too well in the United States when it was released over there, but yeah, it was it's one of the highest grossing films in um in Korea. So yeah, definitely check it out if you're into that kind of film. It's really good. Cool. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to review while we're with you? Um. Not review. I'll, I'll quickly mention it though. Time Crimes. It's a Spanish film. Have you seen it, Jerry? Unfortunately, no. No. Oh, okay. How about you, James? No, I've never even heard of it. No. Time Crimes. Okay, Steve, you've got to watch this film because I know it's you so, love your. It sounds great. Yeah, I know you love your sort of. It's got a brilliant title already. Yeah, it's kind of about it's about this guy who he accidentally gets transported back in time by an hour. And then, I can't really go into too much detail about it, but it's definitely up um, Steve Street. It's supposed to be a sci-fi film without paradoxes, but I think I've found one. So I can't talk about it, so it's really frustrating me. Is so it, Steve, you've got to watch this. And then. Is it easy Where did you see that, Owen? It's, um, it's been available to stream on Love Film for ages. Um, okay. But I only literally got around to watching it. Um, I think I've still so got a... A free trial with them again, I'm so I'll, I'll I'll have a look at that. I think everyone who's ever had a Love Film membership has got at least six months of free trials stored away. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah, so yeah, desperate so, to get you back, aren't they? Yeah, I know it's fantastic. So I'll I'll have a look at that because I I I is it more complicated than Primer? No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, okay. Is it a bit of, fun? On a scale of with travel <laughs> film complicatedness, is it? Uh, you know, Back to the Future being fairly easy to understand, and Primer being a film that you need a fucking chart to understand. Where does it where does it rank on the com- complicatedness of time travel? Probably around the Looper area, I reckon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably Somewhat- yeah, sort of Looper or Terminator area. That's kind of the level of complexity around the time travel. But because it happens over such a short period of time, so he goes back in time an hour, um, and then he has to sort of relive all the stuff that he just witnessed, kind of thing. So it's it, it's good. It's really, I mean, it's really interesting. It's described in a lot of places as as different things. So some people have sort of said it's this clever, sophisticated science fiction film. Others have sort of said it's a tense thriller. I personally thought it was a bit more like a comedy, a very dark comedy. Um, okay. But it's, I mean, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I definitely recommend definitely that. Definitely intrigued. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I've got two films to review. Which one would people like to hear more about? Uh, the Odd Couple, a comedy from the 60s starring Jack Lemmon, or uh, a documentary from 2011 um, by somebody who basically pretends to be uh, a guru and gets loads of people to follow him because they're all gullible fools. The second one, definitely the second one. There we go. <laughs> okay, this documentary then is called Kumare. It is on Netflix US. It is made by uh, an American man of Indian heritage called Vikram Gandhi, who doesn't, you know, despite, despite being brought up in a reasonably religious family and uh, Hindu family, I think it was, and obviously a lot of 
religious ceremonies and rituals and heritage and all that kind of thing. But he's also grown up in New York, so he's around lots of other different religions and and things like that as well. He doesn't really go for the whole thing, and he thinks it's all a load of nonsense. So he kind of sets himself up, pretends to be a guru, um, going so far as to learn yoga and and growing a beard. Um, For some people, growing a beard is probably harder than learning yoga. (laughs) Yeah, me, me included. Yeah. But anyway, you know, he he completely sort of absorbs himself into this character uh, of Kumare. Uh, gets his girlfriend to help out, you know, portray this image, perpetrate this ruse, and a couple other people as well. Uh, sort of goes around meeting various religious people um, and kind of getting into their mindset and kind of getting into the mindset himself before um, setting himself up in Arizona and getting. Um, what in the, at the end of the film is actually termed as disciples, and he he sets out. It's really interesting to see kind of how gullible these people looking for spiritual enlightenment are, because they'll just fall for anything. He's not a guru. He's made it all up himself. He's made up all the mantras. He's made up all the spirituality behind his particular. You know, he's not copied off anyone else. He's just made it up from scratch, um, and he's trying to prove that it's a load of nonsense. You know, you don't need this. You don't need a, a religious external factor to have faith, to have, you know, feel positive or whatever. But at the end of the film, that kind of falls flat because it says at the end of the film, out of the 14 disciples, as they were, after he gives the big re- reveal that he's been bullshitting them for a few months, says that 10 of them are still in contact with him. <laughs> so, so, so people do need this external force or external influence or external spirituality or external guide to find this faith and whatever they're looking for so he kind of disproves himself at the end but it is really interesting just to see how kind of gullible all these people are and it's quite interesting as well because at first he, he really likes it because it's enjoyable characters quite an enjoyable person to play i think because everyone's coming to him at first being all positive, it's quite happy, everyone's upbeat, everyone's happy. But then people actually start coming to him with real problems about their life and he kind of feels that mm. bullshit in these people. So I can't really give them any advice because it's just wrong that they've actually got genuine problems. Then he's like, well, but then I kind of give the whole game away. Um, and he, but he does stick with it and it is, it is really interesting insight into... Uh, the gullibility, if that's a word, of religious people and spiritual people. Okay, so but, but you enjoyed it. You you you'd give it a thumbs up. I'd give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now I'd seen a few other people talking about it because I think it must have come onto Netflix quite recently. Yeah. I think but it's um, one on there. Yeah. No. No. It's eleven documentary, but it's new onto Netflix US. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's on Netflix UK. I think it might be. Do we want to talk about the old couple quickly? Give us a quick brief. Because uh, I've, I've never actually seen the old couple. It is very good. I think you'd like it, James. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a comedy starring Jack Lemon and Walter... Is it Mathau? Math- yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. how you get them. Um, Jack Lemon plays Felix Unger. He's split up from his wife... He tries to kill himself, but can't. Um, tries to jump out of a window in a hotel, but hurts his back. Tries to get drunk at a bar, hurts his neck. Just has no luck whatsoever. 
Uh, turns off a poker game he's meant to be going to with his friends. They're all worrying about where he is. Um, essentially, he ends up moving in with his best friend, who who is played by Walter Matthau. Um, but they're complete opposites, obviously. That's why they're called the odd couple. And they end up getting on each other's nerves for so many different reasons. Um, but end up, you know, appreciating each other at the very end. But it's, it's very funny. It um, relies a lot on the... Uh, relationship and the the back and forth banter I hate the word banter but it is that essentially between yeah. the title characters and the group of five in the two or three scenes you get where they're all playing poker together mm. as well it's all very quick it wouldn't surprise me if some of it was ad-libbed I'm sure it, I'm not sure if it is mm. but you know, it's just it's very quick very back and forth and sort of very funny everyone's sort of playing off of each other um, so yeah if you like comedies and you haven't seen this one go and watch it Cheers, Steve. Yeah, it seems it's. I've I've not seen it, but it does seem like the type of film that um, has inspired pretty much every kind of uh, sitcom and buddy cop movie and everything like that. Any, any yeah. kind of any kind of it's bud- the original. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of buddy related thing. Yeah. yeah. Complete polar opposites. You wonder why or how these two have become best friends. Yeah, there are obviously some similarities, like they both like sport and they both like playing poker, etc. But you know, you just think how the two complete opposites become friends. I think Owen's seen it, hasn't he? Uh, I've never seen all of it. I've only it's one of those things that's it's usually well, it used to be on TV quite a lot. I haven't seen it for for a while. It, on TV, it, it, but... it did spawn a sitcom as well, obviously not starring the two from yeah. the film. Yeah, and, it, and of course and they were united for grum- grumpy yeah. old men. Owen's yeah. favourite Christmas film. One of my favourite Christmas films, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which they're very good in. But then when you watch something like um, the sequel to, Gr- uh, to Grumpy Old Men, which is Grumpier Old Men, there's like cuts that they, you know, they show the things they have to leave out the film and stuff where they're just improv And they re- they really do seem to have a genuine kind of um, off-screen friendship, which I think helps with those kind of films. Because the, yeah. the way they play off each other is it's very funny to watch. Um, how about you, Jerry? Have you seen the film? No, I'm. I'm not. I'm not too great on like sort of sixties films, particularly the comedy films. I, no, I, I was just looking through Netflix US, and I was looking for a comedy, and I thought, well, I've not seen that one, but it's kind of it's, it's highly rated, and it's one like one of the most referenced. I was like, what film were we talking about? Oh, is when we did the Stanley Kubrick special. It's like The Shining. Yeah. It's like. The Shining's one of them films that you think you've seen before, even though you haven't seen it because it's referenced yeah. so much. And the Odd Couple was a bit like that, so I thought I'll actually watch the the source material for all this. Yeah, is it is it ninety minutes? Is it or is it two hours? These, these are important things for me I tonight. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's somewhere between okay. the two. It didn't, it didn't feel. Like, it didn't feel too long. Good. It never felt like it was dragging. Good. Um before our podcast gets in danger of feeling like that for you listeners we'll move on <laughs> hey. to the main review which is Oblivion starring Tom Cruise Morgan Freeman and a couple of people who James is going to tell me who they are because I can't remember uh, Andrea Riseborough uh, Olga Kirilenko and oh. the Kingslayer Nikolai Costa Waldau <laughs> uh, I think James is going to lead the discussion on this film because he wrote a load of notes on it in the email beforehand so I'll let him come with it okay oh yeah um, so yeah those of you who don't know uh, about the film Tom Cruise plays another man called Jack um, 
someone did point this out. Uh, some, I saw someone point out on Twitter this week, and it does seem that almost every character he plays these days is called Jack. But um, Jack is one of the few remaining drone repairmen uh, on Earth. Earth has had its surface destroyed after decades of war with an alien uh, race of scavengers, and he discovers a crashed spaceship. Um, the contents of which, as it says on IMDb, bring into question everything he believed about the war and may even put the fate of mankind in his hands. Uh, it's Tom Cruise doing big sci-fi with um, the guy who directed Tron Legacy, which I've not seen, Joseph Kosinski, but people told me was very flashy, um, very stylistic, but not actually that great a film. Might give us a clue as to how this film is <laughs> out. Um, well, I, I, just, I just want to say, first off, um, let's start on the good uh, with regards to this film the production design I think I'd, I'd hope that we can all agree that this film actually did look pretty spectacular Vis- visually it's phenomenal yeah, you yeah. Know, it, it looks fantastic from the from the details of like the little bike that Tom Cruise has got to the kind of big set pieces of like the the world in ruins Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the landscapes are some of the best thing about it. I know that there's a lot of talk being made uh, about the the actual like spaceships and stuff and how and the, the droids or drones, sorry, whatever they're called, that look actually quite you know realistic and everything. But it's, I love the, the way that everything is. It looks like a barren Earth, you know. In a lot mm. of these sort of post-apocalyptic sci-fi films, stuff like A Boy and His Dog, for example, mm. is it's just a desert with a few metal sheds put on it basically whereas this it really does look like uh, an earth that's been sort of drained if you like and um but i was really impressed with that yeah no i, I was as well um and uh, yeah i think the the science and the technology actually had quite a unique look as well and you know i know we'll come on to areas which the film may have borrowed heavily from other science fiction films but i do think at least its look was something that was quite innovative and original um and and i enjoyed it as well and i think the soundtrack was great as well i thought um i think some electronic artist called m83 i'm not down with the kids i don't know who they are <laughs> um but i know that um uh kaczynski got daft punk to do his preview uh, to do tron legacy and i have heard that's a very good soundtrack um, in fact, I've heard that and not seen the film, but um, I thought the soundtrack was good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there now and cause the first argument as well. Uh, I also thought that Tom Cruise and Andrea Riseborough were very good in it as well. Um, Tom Cruise not as good as I've seen him before, uh, but I do think he has a natural charm and a presence which carries the film. Mm. But I honestly thought that Andrea Riseborough was the best person in this film, and I've just got a feeling that's going to cause an argument. No, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, Really? I think I think I um, drew a good parallel to this film. I'm <clears throat> boasting about mm-hmm. my own comments, but other than the visuals, put everything about the visuals aside for a minute. Mm. They were fantastic, but the rest of the films, so the plot, the acting, um, you know, everything else was akin to a like watching a football team win comfortably without ever getting out of third gear. It was good. It was entertaining, but it's quite instantly forgettable. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think there are a few ups and downs, though. Um, I, you know, to, about the acting. Okay, I thought Olga Kurilenko, who plays um, what was her name, Julia. I thought she was bland as hell. I, I, I thought she was she had nothing. Um, 
uh, I thought Morgan Freeman had nothing to do and didn't really do much with it. He, he, well, he wasn't a pointless character because his character was needed. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't seem to... It, it, yeah, it, it, his it's character was needed, but it, it didn't really sparkle off the screen much at all, and he wasn't in it much. Um, and I wanted to see more of um, Nikolai Costa-Waldau, um, and you can take that any way, which way you <laughs> I wanted to see more <laughs> of him. Quite a lot of him in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, and I have. He was also fantastic in Headhunters last year, and it did seem a little bit like. I'm not quite sure why they bothered to get him for this film because any old man could have stood there and done that kind of. Yeah, there, there was. He didn't really have. Again, someone else who didn't have much to do. It's really interesting considering there are so few kind of speaking parts in this film that even two of the bigger ones still didn't have much to do. It's a very sparse film in terms of performances. Um, for a big budget sci-fi epic, it's really interesting to see it. Um, it, it was almost almost felt a bit like Castaway at times, or um, or we mentioned earlier Wally. Um, clearly, Tom Cruise's character is a human Wally here, um, and there is quite large bits of the opening film which are just Tom Cruise wandering around being Tom Cruise. Now I'm fine with that. We all know my love for the man Cruise, but Jerry's kept his tongue very very firmly bit up until now so he might as well jump in and tell me I'm an idiot well (laughs) I think what you wanted to say with all this is that it's derivative unoriginal nonsense and the whole point of it is to put Tom Cruise on screen for as long as possible which of course means it is utter shit (laughs) oh Jerry he's not it's a standard right it's all very standard stuff for Tom Cruise guns, vehicles, spacey technology it's got a nice big uber cool apartment and it's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise with some cool technology it's nothing different to kind of what he did with Minority Report except there's nothing clever about it or original about it like there is in Minority Report the other thing that bothered me was a bit of a feminist critique here it's 50 year old Tom Cruise and there's just these much younger women who just seem to fall over themselves to get a piece of him, you know, dive into the swimming pool naked, etc., etc. It's going to be drink, to be fair. Yeah, and, and I think it's a little bit... I, I think it's a little bit disingenuous to just label that. I think that's Hollywood in general, though, isn't it? Well, if, yeah. If we're Cruise, being honest. isn't it? It's probably what Cruise thinks is reality, because that yeah, but might as well it, be it, what think, happens to okay, him. Okay, um, I, I know you're not a fan of George Clooney either, but George Clooney is his age, and in films quite often has 20-year-old women, and in real life has 20-year-old yeah. women falling over him. I'd, well, the key I, I difference don't, here is, is George Clooney's a, an attractive man, and he's not a semi-dwarf. A lot of, so. people, a lot of people find Tom Cruise attractive. In the dwarf community. <laughs> He wouldn't be where oh, oh, Jack, oh he's clearly he's clearly a mentalist. Well, he can play one role, and that's himself, right? In other words, what he does is he's a smug, annoying twat, takes himself really seriously, and yet at the same time manages to be the least genuine man on earth, which I don't know how he does. And yeah, he's, you're right, he's batshit mental. I mean, what? I, he's just he's the most annoying man in Hollywood. I can't believe I, uh, I can't believe he's making money on films these days. Oh. Everyone seems He's, to, in Hollywood seems to quite like Tom Cruise, though. Yeah, yeah but everyone yeah, okay. you know, that it was a good idea to let um, Seth MacFarlane do the Oscars and make horrendous jokes. So, you know, <laughs> I'm can't not judge sure where that, that, that come from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I haven't got to come back to that. That's sort of ended the, <laughs> <laughs> the debate, hasn't it? You can't, you, you can't trust film producers' judgment. Okay. All I, 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 I will stand by Cruz uh, for a long time. I've seen him in great films, and I know Owen said it before, and quite often he is actually the best thing in a film. Um, yeah, we talked about Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, we're big fans of that, aren't we, Owen? Oh, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, um, uh, I, I, I think um, Jerry Maguire. I think Rain Man. Um, the, he can do proper acting, but when he does block, but I, I love the Mission Impossible films. I think they're great films. Uh, Minority Report you mentioned. It's good. He, he does. Yeah, he, he is Tom Cruise in a lot of his films. But we, we look past that for other actors. For some reason, Tom Cruise winds people up, and it's clearly wound Jerry. Harrison Ford played Harrison Ford in virtually all of his films and we had him as our first Corridor of Praise um, no, and Arnie, what, there's more Arnie played Arnie. to him Arnie played Arnie in everything you know no, movie stars generally play themselves generally play a version of themselves not, in every no. film <laughs> the only films <laughs> that he does that are any different to any other film are Terminator and that's when he doesn't have to say much yeah uh, Tom Cruise has more range than a lot of other um a, 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 other, a lot of other mainstream blockbuster actors. Look at his performance in Magnolia, for example. Um, I thought Collateral wasn't a, a, a typical Tom Cruise performance. Um, uh, Rock of Ages, terrible film, and he was the best thing in it by far, in, again, a very un-Tom Cruise performance. Well, fortunately, I didn't see that type <laughs> of shit. So I'm not going to go there, but yeah, I mean, my, but I mean, Minority Report is a very good film. Yeah, but he is still Tom Cruise in this. Do you know? What I mean? Yeah, and he, he's Tom Cruise in, in Minority Report, and and it sort of works for a bit, but it could be a better film if it was someone other than Tom Cruise. I'm adamant that if you made Minority Report with someone other than Tom Cruise in, it would be a better film than it is. Adam Sandler. <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, I thought you meant literally anyone other than Tom Cruise would be yeah. a better film. But then again, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love is really, really good. So, you know, make it up. No, I know you've said that before, yes. No. All right, the, um, Rob Schneider. I'm not saying literally anyone. I'm just, <laughs> I just think he's he's not the best. He gets roles that he's not the best suited for just purely by virtue of being a bankable name. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. And that's, that's Hollywood, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and he raises, you know, he he get he gets these films into production, so he's bound to be someone who then, ha- you know, wants wants to take the lead role. Obviously, we come with our own filters here. I've I've always been quite a fan of Cruz. You've never liked him, so that was always going to affect our filters. It's not that I've never liked him. I like. Sounds to me. I like the Impossible films until I saw enough of them to realise that actually. You know, when I watch other Tom Cruise films, oh, he's not playing a character. This is Tom Cruise. This is how he thinks reality is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, when you first watch him, you seem like, oh, this is cool. And then you realise, oh, actually, no, he does that in every film. You know, he's good at Minority Report. Um, struggling to think of any others, to be fair, that I like him in. No. Top Gun. No. A Top Gun one film of his that I don't like actually. Not the one film. There's a few films of his I don't like, but I don't even really like him in Top Gun actually. Um, okay, let's move on from Cruise just for a second then. Are we going um, to play the other... 
we're going to play what films did you notice reference exactly in this exactly film? <laughs> so a little game of I Spy Sci-Fi, which is nice. It rhymes. Um, to come up with. <laughs> what did you come up with? What name did you? What films did you see in this film? Bingo. <laughs> right then, James. I Spy Sci-Fi. Which films yeah. did we spot within Oblivion? Okay, well, we've already mentioned um, Wally, where uh, Tom Cruise played a human Wally. Um, that's the central I, tenet of this film. You know, that's what the film's based around. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, and and yeah, let's thank God Wally didn't go in the direction this film went <laughs> in. But um, there, I definitely think there was more than a couple of 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. references. Including some, there was an actual kind of Star Child shot at one point. I'm not going to say what it was about, but there was an actual Star Child shot, and I was like, "Oh my god, you're just borrowing everything now." Um, Total Recall uh, was definitely yeah. an influence. Uh, uh, Moon, and we can't really say much more about that, yes. uh, Moon. Uh, or else we'd ruin both Moon and Oblivion for anyone who hasn't seen it. But Moon, definitely. Can I mention um, the Will Smith film? Would that be too much of a spoiler? Which which Will Smith film? Bad Boys. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Bad Boys uh, 2. Independence Day. I, so oh, no. I've heard people no. say that, but I yeah. don't get it. Oh, well, okay, we'll chat to you afterwards about that. There was, yeah. there was yeah. a hint of I Am Legend about it as well, sort of Last Man on Earth yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, um, what people, else did I say? People have said kind of... Um, you know, it's like it's like Star Wars with the with the drones following Tom Cruise's ship. Um, some people yeah. say it's like like you know an actual X X wing and Tie fighter battle. Some people say it's more like the pod race in Phantom Menace. But that was yeah, that was obvious to to many. I heard someone on Twitter earlier today say that is Blade Runner the only sci-fi film which hasn't been stolen <laughs> for this film? So I think it'd be quite uh, a fair. I think Silent, I Silent it... Running gets a bit of a, a nod to in there. Yeah, after oh. tomorrow, I guess. Yeah. It's in there as well. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. It is a mag, And it's not done in a kind of Tarantino-esque way either. It is it's done not, in a... I mean, that's what they've tried to sell it as, though, isn't it? They've said that there were a lot of references to other films on purpose. It's not yeah. like they've they've just stolen from it and then lied about it. They, said, no, yeah. this is completely it's, ours. It's not, it's it not takes itself it, very seriously, though. Yeah, it's not done yeah. in the same way as Tarantino would do it, or it's not done in the same way Cabin in the Woods done it with horror. No, it, no, it, it, it's it, not. It, it didn't. Well, yeah, it didn't feel like to me like it was paying homage. It felt to me like it was blatantly stolen. But if what Owen's saying is correct, then then I just think they've they've missed the tone yeah. slightly. Then they've talked, I don't, I don't, they have talked openly about how it's. Um, you know, it draws on a lot of um, older sort of 80s, 90s sci-fi films, and that's what they wanted to to give people of today. So I, no. I don't think it was trying to rip off other films. I think it was definitely trying to pay homage to them. I just don't think it did it well, very well. The, no, it wasn't very subtle in its homage. Wasn't no. it? and, and when you do that with quite a derivative plot. Um, it doesn't help because it does just look like you're cribbing from everywhere. If the plot had been absolutely brilliant, we probably wouldn't have cared that they'd stolen all these bits. And when your mind starts wandering halfway through, because I'll be honest, it's only two hours long and it felt longer. Uh, it to me, it felt too long. There were even bits at that, I think, 
There were bits that started to drag, but then thinking back on it, I can't really think what you'd cut out from the film. I, I think you could, I think you could shake it and lose twenty minutes from it somewhere. They're just little bits and bobs. Um, tight, it could definitely be tightened up. That whole, um, that whole bit where it, with him. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Outside the football stadium, which is painful. Him, oh, see, I can't that bit, but I like Tom Cruise. So him, I recount, quite like Tom. him recounting this football match was terrible. Oh, no, see, I, I quite like that scene. I've, I've got no, I've got no issue with that. Um, what I have an issue with is they basically looked at all these old sci-fi films, all these great sci-fi films, right? And somewhere a producer's gone, mm, two thousand and one, Wally, all these things, they're good. But you know what? Make them better if we put Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> take any kind of originality or intelligence out of the story, like tell people exactly what they're seeing, uh, and put some gadgets in that Tom Cruise can play around with, and just stick Tom Cruise on screen for like an hour and a half out of two hours. It'll work. That's literally the thought process behind this film. What I would say is, I, I, I honestly do think with uh, and I'm going to flip this around from what Jerry said. I think with other actors, not every other actor, but with other actors in the main role here, I think this would have been a worse film. I honestly do. But that, but we we need to shut up about Tom Cruise now because we're never going to agree. We're never going to see each other's point of view on that. But what I would say is. I don't think anyone is completely satisfied with what we saw. Or would that be would that be fair? I mean, I quite like post-apocalyptic sci-fi stuff anyway, so it was always going to appeal to me on some level. So I did quite enjoy parts of it, but it's a very flawed film. I, well, think, I, think, um, I think I think enjoyable but instantly forgettable is is quite yeah. yeah. If you consider the sort of sea of sci-fi films that are coming out this summer anyway, you know, Iron Man 3, mm. Star Trek 2, Pacific Rim, all that. Oh, and I saw a longer trailer for Star Trek, and I'm, I'm so <laughs> pantwetically excited for that now. Yeah, so I, mean, yeah, I think it's going to get to sort of drowned out by better, yeah. bigger films. Yeah, and the fact is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about a three-minute trailer I saw before this film than the film, like, the minute I came out so yeah it, I, the other thing as well if you are going to watch it do go and watch it at the cinema because I cannot imagine it having anywhere near the same impact on a on a home television screen or a laptop or something like that it's yeah no, it, it, in a way it reminds me of, a, of of an inferior version of Prometheus last year Prometheus also had its problems uh, but was a lot better than this um but you know, it, Prometheus was the big sci-fi epic last year, which had amazing production design and possibly wasn't quite the film we all wanted it to be, and things like that. This feels like, uh, quite ironically, like a bit of a kind of low-rent rip-off of Prometheus in in that sense. Um, it tries to be epic in scale. It it just fails on too many on too many levels. But I, I didn't regret watching it. It was it was decent enough. Mm. Okay, uh, I think that's all for this week's podcast then. Um, what's up next week, James? Next week is our big birthday bash. Uh, next, I can't believe it. Next week we are a year old. Um, that's 
weird and quite wonderful as well. So um, what we're going to be doing, something slightly different next week, we're going to be doing what we've been watching, Second Opinion. See, I'm coming up with all the titles tonight, aren't I? Um, and we're all going to look at films that um, each of us has either loved or hated over the last year. And we'll be giving our second opinion on that. And then we'll also be having a bit of a roundtable discussion with questions that all of our listeners have always wanted to ask us, but have been too afraid. Um, so, yeah. So if you've got any questions that you want us to, or, or topics you want us to discuss uh, next week, then tweet us at, at failedcritics and let us know. Okay, and um, what's the next new review we're doing, or don't you know? Uh, the week after that is Iron Man 3. Boom. Very excited. Mm. Um, yeah, wonderful. Why don't we do a Will Smith's cor- Corridor of Praise induction? <laughs> just, let, <laughs> let's just make sure Jerry's there. <laughs> I don't have that much of a problem with Will Smith. <laughs> It's only if you like sneak Tom Cruise in without telling me that I'm going to... <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go on holiday and I'll go sneak Tom Cruise in the Corridor Praise. That's clearly what I'm going to do. Because he's not won an Oscar yet. And I, for one, am surprised. I, for one, am not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who has contributed. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for the music. Yeah, I think it is a it's a very very good film, and it won the Can Jury Prize, and I think it was ninety five. So um, definitely worth a watch, and you can actually find it on a lot of. Str- I got it on Google Play, uh, for example. I got it on Google Play for ninety nine p to rent it on my tablet. So it's available pretty cheap in most places, and I really really enjoyed it. And Vinterberg actually went on to direct The Hunt last year, which was one of my favourite films starring Mass Mikkelsen. Um, that I saw in the whole of last year so really really recommend that Excellent Uh, so any other films for you to review this week No 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 that's it like I say I've I've watched a few other but I only wanted to talk about that one mainly so that's it I wanted to try and watch um, The Place Beyond the Pines today but I didn't get time Okay and Jerry how about you then what have you watched this week um, well, obviously Game of Thrones is back, so my time is getting taken up by Game of Thrones. Mad Men is also back, so lots of TV. Yeah, watching both of those, yeah. Veep's, Veep was back um, this week as well, so was there's it? a load of really good TV. Yeah, Veep started on HBO last night, and it's available in the usual places. Uh, okay, not on TV, though. <laughs> not on Sky. No, 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 I don't have Sky Atlantic anyway, so it's always the usual places for me. Immediately prior to uh, recording, Broadchurch was on as well, which I keep banging on about. Absolutely top. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch that all uh, like on DVD or something. It's too late for me to start it now. I'll, I'll wait for it on DVD and and splurge on it in a weekend. It's it's well worth it. It, it, yeah. it is very good. Um, and Studio Ghibli films, which I'm sort of holding back for when we actually talk about Studio Ghibli films. Um, just probably a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a quick one from a few weeks back, actually. Uh, I watched Cloud Atlas while it was still around in the cinemas and on a small amount of screens. Uh, won't talk too great detail about it because it's been talked about on here before, but um, I really liked it. 
Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it. You know, I think it's confusing. I like that it it, it, it treated the viewer with respect. It assumed a bit of yeah. intelligence. Um, you know, it, it was visually stunning, obviously, but it, it was kind of audacious in the narrative structure and, and the scale of it. And I really, I admired that. I don't think it quite achieved what it wanted to do all the time. But I admired the fact that they were really reaching for something superb, and I think it would, it, you know, it was it was a level above your average blockbuster. Mm. So yeah, that's it. Short and sweet. It's very uh, well worth a watch. You need to concentrate though, not a background film by any means. No. I really wanted to see Clay Atlas. I'm still a bit angry that it didn't get a wider release. Yeah, it it got it just got shit on basically by uh, by. The wrong people. Um, By the time I saw it, I think it was on like the odd cinema. It was on once a day, or you know, yeah. not not even every day. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would have had to go quite far out of my way to see it. I think the nearest cinema that was actually showing it. Then, well, I've got like two Cineworlds. I'm sort of equidistant between the two of them. I'm about there's about ten miles to either one, really. The nearest mm. Cineworld that was showing it was about twenty five miles away. So there's two right next to me, and neither of them showed it. So I was, yeah, I was really annoyed about that. That was my right. little rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, and Owen, what have you watched this week? I watched um, a really interesting Korean film called The Man from Nowhere, um, which is... Uh, I watched it because um, it stars a guy called uh, Won Bin, or Bin Won, depending on where you read about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, it draws a lot of comparisons with other revenge thrillers like um, Taken and Old Boy and that kind of thing, because it is, you know, it is essentially a, a revenge thriller itself. Um, but it kind of has its own identity. That it, it does share the genre with those kind of films, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more sophisticated, I guess, in a way. Um, I mean, it helps that the film has such a charismatic lead actor in 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 in, in uh, bin one he kind of reminded me a little bit of um keanu reeves so you've got to bear with me here because i know he's not the most obvious mm. choice when someone considers a charismatic lead um but he he's got that kind of presence about him that he just carries throughout the movie so there's mm. little things like just a sort of slight shift in his stance or a little glance over his shoulder occasionally and he seems to say mm-hmm. a lot more um than if he just opened his mouth and just looked at someone and said, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to go and save that person. You know what I mean? It's just kind of mm. the way that he carries himself throughout the film is, is quite impressive. So, um, yeah, the, the way that I came to watch this film, actually, was, um, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, that I use a site called letterboxd.com to record the films I watch. And I started um, a conversation on there about who I, who I think is the sort of the rising stars of the action genre, so people like, you know, we've mentioned before, Scott Adkins and um, people like that. So someone called Zappa Life recommended I check out this Bin One guy. And he's really good. I would I would really recommend this film. Uh, as far as the, the story goes for the film, for, for um, The Man From Nowhere, it's, I mean, it is kind of a standard revenge story. So, so mm-hmm. you know, the main character is quite depressed. He lives in this sort of solitary existence in this apartment and um across the across the way from him is um this this family it's a mom who's addicted to heroin and is involved with these gangs but she's got a young daughter and the young daughter keeps going over to um 
bid one's apartment and stuff and so he kind of she's the only person who really tries to talk to him and as the, the film progresses you learn why he he sort of lives this isolated um existence and and then why he eventually goes on to get revenge when the girl's mom is um killed basically or she's kidnapped she's kidnapped in as, as part of the plot and um the little girl ends up being involved in and he goes out to try and rescue her so it's got quite a sort of standard revenge basis to it but it's it's as i say it's really kind of sophisticated so the pace of the film although there are bits in it which are really quite gruesome actually there's some really like ultra violent scenes in it it's not focused around that it's focused around the story of this one guy so compare it to taken you know that is all about Liam Neeson's on a mission. He's going to go and get his family, and then that's that's going to be it. In in this, it's a little bit different, and it's about building this character and this sort of personal journey that he goes on whilst getting revenge and stuff. So yeah, it's really good. I definitely recommend it. It's um quite. A, I think it was one of the highest grossing Korean films ever. Actually, um, I don't know if it did too well in the United States when it was released over there, but yeah, it was. It's one of the highest grossing films in. Um, in Korea, so yeah, definitely check it out if you're into that kind of film. It's really good. Cool. Okay, uh, anything else you'd like to review while we're with you? Um, not review. I'll, I'll quickly mention it though. Time Crimes. It's a Spanish film. Have you seen it, Jerry? Unfortunately, no. No. Oh, okay. How about you, James? No, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> no, Time Crimes. Okay. Steve, you've got to watch this film because I know it's you so, love your. So, so great. <laughs> yeah, I know you love your sort of. It's got a brilliant title already. Yeah, it's kind of about it's about this guy who he accidentally gets transported back in time by an hour, and then I can't really go into too much detail about it, but it's definitely up um, Steve Street. It's supposed to be a sci-fi film with paradoxes, but I think I've found one. So I can't talk about it, so it's really frustrating me. Is so, it, Steve, it, you've got to watch this. And then. Is it easy Where did you see that, Owen? It's, um, it's been available to stream on Love Film for ages. Um, okay. But I only literally got around to watching it. Um, I think I've still so got a, a free trial with them again. So I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at that. I think everyone who's ever had a Love Film membership has got at least six months of free trials stored away. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah, so yeah, desperate so. to get you back, aren't they? Yeah, I know it's fantastic. So I'll, I'll have a look at that because I, 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 is it more complicated than Primer? No, 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 no. I mean, it's, scale, okay. Is it a bit of fun? Of, on a scale of the travel film complicatedness, is it? Uh, you know, Back to the Future being fairly easy to understand, and Primer being a film that you need a fucking chart to understand. Where does it? Where does it rank on the com- complicatedness of time travel? Probably around the Looper area, I reckon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably, yeah, sort of Looper or Terminator area. That's kind of the level of complexity around the time travel. But because it happens over such a short period of time, so he goes back in time an hour, um, and then he has to sort of relive all the stuff that he just witnessed kind of thing. So it's it's good. It's really, I, I mean, it's really interesting. It's described in a lot of places as, as different things. So some people have sort of said it's this clever, sophisticated science fiction film. Others have sort of said it's a tense thriller. I personally thought it was a bit more like a comedy, a very dark comedy. Um, okay. But it's, I'm yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I definitely recommend definitely that. Definitely intrigued. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I've got two films to review. Which one 
would people like to hear more about uh, The Odd Couple, a comedy from the 60s starring Jack Lemmon, or uh, a documentary from 2011 um, by somebody who basically pretends to be uh, a guru and gets loads of people to follow him because they're all gullible fools. The second one, definitely the second one. There we go. <laughs> okay, this documentary then is called Kumare. It is on Netflix US. It is made by uh, an American man of Indian heritage called Vikram Gandhi, who doesn't, you know, despite, despite being brought up in a reasonably religious family and a uh, Hindu family, I think it was, and there obviously a lot of religious ceremonies and rituals and heritage and all that kind of thing. But he's also grown up in New York, so he's around lots of other different religions and and things like that as well. He doesn't really go for the whole thing, and he thinks it's all a, a load of nonsense. So he kind of sets himself up, pretends to be a guru, um, going so far as to learn yoga and, and growing a beard. Um, for some people, growing a beard is probably harder than learning yoga. <laughs> yeah, me me included. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and, you know, he, he completely sort of absorbs himself into this character, uh, of Kumare, uh, gets his girlfriend to help out, you know, portray this image, perpetrate this ruse, and a couple other people as well. Uh, sort of goes around meeting various religious people um, and kind of getting into their mindset and kind of getting into the mindset himself before um, setting himself up in Arizona and getting um, what in the, at the end of the film is actually termed as disciples, and he he sets out. It's really interesting to see kind of how gullible these people looking for spiritual enlightenment are because they'll just fall for anything. He's not a guru. He's made it all up himself. He's made up all the mantras. He's made up all the spirituality behind his particular, you know, he's not copied off anyone else. He's just made it up from scratch. Um, And he's trying to prove that it's a load of nonsense. You know, you don't need this. You don't need a, a religious external factor to have faith, to have, you know, feel positive or whatever. But at the end of the film, that kind of falls flat because it says at the end of the film, out of the 14 disciples, as they were, after he gives the big reveal that he's been bullshitting them for a few months, says that 10 of them are still in contact with him. (laughs) So so, so people do need this external force or external influence or external spirituality or external guide to find this faith and whatever they're looking for. So he kind of disproves himself at the end. But it is really interesting just to see how kind of gullible all these people are. And it's quite interesting as well, because at first he he really likes it because it's enjoyable characters. Quite an enjoyable person to play, I think, because everyone's coming to him at first being all positive. It's quite happy. Everyone's upbeat. Everyone's happy. But then people actually start coming to him with real problems about their life. And he kind of feels that... Mm bullshit in these people so i can't really give them any advice because it's just wrong they've actually got genuine problems then he's like well but then i kind of give the whole game away um and it, but he does stick with it and it is it is really interesting insight into uh the gullibility if that's a word of religious people and spiritual people okay so but, but you enjoyed it you you you'd give it a thumbs up. I'd give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now I'd seen a few other people talking about it because I think it must have come onto Netflix quite recently. Yeah. I think but it's um, on there. 
Yeah, no, no. It's eleven documentary, but it's new on to Netflix US. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's on Netflix UK. I think it might be. Do we want to talk about the old couple quickly? Give us a quick brief. It's because uh, I've never actually seen the old couple. It is very good. I think you'd like it, James. Yeah. It's it's a it's a comedy starring Jack Lemon and Walter. Is it Mathau? Math- yeah. I, yeah. That's yeah. How it then. Um, Jack Lemon plays Felix Unger. He's split up from his wife. He tries to kill himself but can't. Um, tries to jump out of a window in a hotel but hurts his back. Tries to get drunk at a bar, hurts his neck. Just has no luck whatsoever. Uh, turns off at a poker game he's meant to be going to with his friends. They're all worrying about where he is. Um, essentially, he ends up moving in with his best friend, who who is played by Walter Matthau. Um, but they're complete opposites, obviously. That's why they're called the odd couple. And they end up getting on each other's nerves for so many different reasons. Um, but end up, you know, appreciating each other at the very end. But it's it's very funny. It um, relies a lot on the uh, relationship and the the back and forth banter. I hate the word banter, but it is that, essentially. Between yeah. the title characters... And the group of five in the two or three scenes you get where they're all playing poker together mm. as well. It's all very quick. It wouldn't surprise me if some of it was ad-libbed. I'm sure. It, I'm not sure if it is, mm. but you know, it's just it's very quick, very back and forth, and sort of very funny. Everyone's sort of playing off of each other. Um, so yeah, if you like comedies and you haven't seen this one, go and watch it. Cheers, Steve. Yeah, it seems it's. I've I'm not seen it, but it does seem like the type of film that. Um, has inspired pretty much every kind of uh, sitcom and buddy cop movie and everything like that. Afterwards. Any, any yeah. kind of, any kind of, it's bu- the original. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of buddy related thing. Yeah. yeah. Complete polar opposites. You wonder why or how these two have become best friends. Yeah. There are obviously some similarities, like they both like sport and they both like playing poker, etc. But you know, you just think how are these two complete opposites become friends I think Owen's seen it hasn't he uh, I've never seen all of it I've only it's one of those things that's, it's usually well, it used to be on TV quite a lot I haven't seen it for, for a while but on it, TV, it, but... it did spawn a sitcom as well obviously not starring the two from yeah. the film yeah. and, and, it, and of course and they reunited for grum, Grumpy yeah. Old Men Owen's yeah. favourite Christmas film one of my favourite Christmas films <laughs> yeah <laughs> which they're very good in but then when you watch something like um, the sequel to, Gr- uh, to Grumpy Old Men which is Grumpier Old Men there's like cuts that they, you know, they show the things they have to leave out the film and stuff where they're just improving, and they re- they really do seem to have a genuine kind of um, off-screen friendship, which I think helps with those kind of films because it's the yeah. the way they play off each other is it's very funny to watch. Um, how about you, Jerry? Have you seen the film? No, I'm I'm not I'm not too great on like sort of sixties films, particularly the comedy films. No, I, I was just looking through Netflix US and I was looking for a comedy and I thought, well, I've not seen that one, but it's kind of, it's, it's highly rated and it's one like one of the most referenced. I was like, what film are we talking about? Oh, is when we're doing the Stanley Kubrick special. It's like The Shining. Yeah. It's like The Shining's one of them films that you think you've seen before, even though you haven't seen it because it's referenced yeah. so much. And The Odd Couple was a bit like that, so I thought, I'll actually watch the, the source material for all this. Yeah, is it is it ninety minutes? Is it or is it two hours? These, these are important things for me. I, think it's <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's somewhere between. Okay. The two. It didn't. It didn't feel. Like, it didn't feel too long. Good. It never felt like it was dragging. Good. Um, 
before our podcast gets in danger of feeling like that for you listeners, we'll move on <laughs> hey. to the main review, which is Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, and a couple of people who James is going to tell me who they are because I can't remember. Uh, Andrea Riseborough, uh, Olga Kurilenko, and oh. the Kingslayer, Nikolai Costa Waldau. <laughs> Uh, I think James is going to lead the discussion on this film because he wrote a load of notes on it in the email beforehand, so I'll let him <laughs> come with it. Okay, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, those of you who don't know uh, about the film, Tom Cruise plays another man called Jack. Um, someone did point this out, uh, some, I saw someone point out on Twitter this week, and it does seem that almost every character he plays these days is called Jack, but um, Jack is one of the few remaining drone repairmen uh, on Earth. Earth has had its surface destroyed after decades of war with an alien uh, race of scavengers, and he discovers a crashed spaceship, um, the contents of which, as it says on IMDb, bring into question everything he believed about the war, and may even put the fate of mankind in his hands. Uh, it's Tom Cruise doing big sci-fi with um, the guy who directed Tron Legacy, which I've not seen, Joseph Kosinski, but people told me was very flashy, um, very stylistic, but not actually that great a film. Might give us a clue as to how this film is <laughs> out. Um, well, I, I just, I just want to say, first off, um, that I, let's start on the good uh, with regards to this film. The production design. I think I'd, I'd hope that we can all agree that this film actually did look pretty spectacular. Visually, it's phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it, it looks fantastic from the from the details of like the little bike that Tom Cruise has got to the kind of big set pieces of like the the world in ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the landscapes are some of the best thing about it. I know that there's a lot of talk being made. Uh, about the the actual like spaceships and stuff and how and the the droids or, or drones sorry whatever they're called that look actually quite you know realistic and everything but it's I love the the way that everything is it looks like a barren earth you know in a lot mm. of these sort of post apocalyptic sci fi films stuff like a boy and his dog for example mm. is it's just a desert with a few metal sheds put on it basically whereas this it really does look like a, an earth that's been sort of drained, if you like. And um, no, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, no, I, I was as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the the science and the technology actually had quite a unique look as well. And, you know, I know we'll come on to areas which the film may have borrowed heavily from other science fiction films, but I do think at least its look was something that was quite innovative and original. Um, and, and, and I enjoyed it as well. And I think the soundtrack was great as well i thought um i think some electronic artist called m83 i'm not down with the kids i don't know who they (laughs) are um but i know that um uh kaczynski got daft punk to do his preview uh, to do tron legacy and i have heard that it's a very good soundtrack um in fact i've heard that and not seen the film but um i thought the soundtrack was good and i'm gonna i'm gonna put it out there now and cause the first argument as, as well uh i also thought that tom cruise and andrea riseborough were very good in it as well. Um, Tom Cruise not as good as I've seen him before, uh, but I do think he has a natural charm and a presence which carries the film. Mm. But I honestly thought that Andrea Riseborough was the best person in this film, and I've just got a feeling that's going to cause an argument. No, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, I really? think I think I am 
draw a good parallel to this film. I'm <clears throat> boasting about mm-hmm. my own comments, but other than the visuals, put everything about the visuals aside for a minute. Mm. They were fantastic, but the rest of the films, so the plot, the acting, um, you know, everything else was akin to a like watching a football team win comfortably without ever getting out of third gear. It was good, it was entertaining, but it's quite instantly forgettable. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think there are a few ups and downs, though. Um. I, you know, to, about the acting. Okay, I thought Olga Kurilenko, who plays um, what was her name, Julia. I thought she was bland as hell. I, I, I thought she was. She had nothing. Um, to, uh, I thought Morgan Freeman had nothing to do, and didn't really do much with it. He was, he was, well, he wasn't a pointless character because his character was needed. But yeah, he just didn't seem to. It, it yeah, it, it, his it's character tough. was needed, but it, it didn't really sparkle off the screen much at all, and he wasn't in it much. Um, and I wanted to see more of um, Nikolai Costa Waldau. Um, and you can take that any way, which way you like. <laughs> to see more of him. Quite a lot of him in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, and I have. He was also fantastic in Headhunters last year, and it did seem a little bit like I'm not quite sure why they bothered to get him for this film because any old man could have stood there and done that kind of. Yeah, there, there was. He didn't really have. Again, someone else who didn't have much to do. It's really interesting considering there are so few kind of speaking parts in this film that even two of the bigger ones still didn't have much to do it's a very sparse film in terms of performances um for a big budget sci-fi epic it's really interesting to see it um it it was almost almost felt a bit like castaway at times or um or we mentioned earlier wally um clearly tom cruise's character is a human wally here um and there is quite large bits of the opening film which are just Tom Cruise wandering around being Tom Cruise. Now, I'm fine with that. We all know my love for the man Cruise. But Jerry's kept his tongue very, very firmly bit up until now. So he might as well jump in and tell me I'm an idiot. Well, <laughs> I think what you wanted to say with all this is that it's derivative on original nonsense. And the whole point of it is to put Tom Cruise on screen for as long as possible, which of course means it is utter shit. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Well, look, he's not. It's a standard, right? It's all very standard stuff for Tom Cruise. Guns, vehicles, spacey technology. It's got a nice big uber cool apartment. And it's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise with some cool technology. It's nothing different to kind of what he did with Minority Report, except there's nothing clever about it or original about it, like there is a Minority Report. The other thing that bothered me is a bit of a feminist critique here. It's 50-year-old Tom Cruise, and there's just these much younger women who just seem to fall over themselves to get a piece of him, you know, dive into the swimming pool naked, etc., etc. It's got a piece. drink, to be fair. Yeah, and, and I think it's a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit disingenuous to just label that. I think that's Hollywood in general, though, isn't it? Well, if, yeah. If we're Cruise, being honest. isn't it? It's- Probably what Cruise thinks is reality, because that yeah, but might as well it, be it, what think, happens. To okay, him. think of um, I know George, I know you're not a fan of George Clooney either, but George Clooney is his age, and in films quite often has twenty year old women, and in real life has twenty year old yeah. women falling over him. I, well, I, I don't here is, is George Clooney's a, an attractive man, and he's not a semi dwarf. A lot, of so people, a lot of people <laughs> find Tom Cruise attractive in the dwarf community. <laughs> 
he wouldn't be where oh, oh, Jack, oh I, he's clearly he's clearly a mentalist look he can play one role and that's himself right in other words what he does is he's a smug annoying twat takes himself really seriously and yet at the same time manages to be the least genuine man on earth which I don't know how he does and yeah he's, you're right he's batshit mental I mean what I, he's just he's the most annoying man in Hollywood I can't believe I, uh, I can't believe he's making money on films these days oh Everyone seems to, in Hollywood seems to quite like Tom Cruise, though. Yeah, but everyone in Hollywood thought that it was a good idea to let um, Seth MacFarlane do the Oscars and make horrendous jokes. So, you know, (laughs) can't judge that. I haven't got a comeback to that. That's sort of ended the the debate, hasn't it? You can't can't trust film producers' judgment. Okay. All I... I, I, I will stand by Cruz uh, for a long time. I've seen him in great films, and I know Owen said it before, and quite often he is actually the best thing in a film. Um, yeah, we talked about Eyes Wide Shot. Uh, we're big fans of that, aren't we, Owen? Oh, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I think um, Jerry Maguire, I think Rain Man, um, the, he can do proper acting, but when he does block, but I, I love the Mission Impossible films, I think they're great films. Uh, Minority Report you mentioned. It's good. He he does yeah he he is Tom Cruise in a lot of his films, but we we look past that for other actors. For some reason, Tom Cruise winds people up, and it's clearly wound Jerry. Harrison Ford played Harrison Ford in virtually all of his films, and we had him as our first Corridor of Praise. Um, no, and Arnie, there's more Arnie played Arnie. to him. Arnie played Arnie in everything. You know, nah, movie stars generally play themselves. Generally play a version of themselves in every that. film. <laughs> the only <laughs> films that he does that are any different to any other film are Terminator, and that's when he doesn't have to say much. Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise has more range than a lot of other, um, a, 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 other, a lot of other mainstream blockbuster actors. Look at his performance in Magnolia, for example. Um, I thought Collateral wasn't a, uh, a typical Tom Cruise performance. Um, uh, Rock of Ages, terrible film, and he was the best thing in it by far, in, again, a very un-Tom Cruise performance. Well, fortunately, I didn't see that type <laughs> of shit, so I'm not going to go there. But, yeah, I mean, my, but, I mean, Minority Report is a very good film, Yeah, but he is still Tom Cruise in this. Do you know yeah, I mean, he's Tom Cruise in, in Minority Report, and and it sort of works for a bit, but it could be a better film if it was someone other than Tom Cruise. I'm adamant that if you made Minority Report with someone other than Tom Cruise in, it would be a better film than it is. Adam Sandler. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you meant literally anyone other than Tom Cruise would make no. a better film. But then again, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love is really, really good. So, you know, make it that way. No, I know you've said that before, yes. No. All right, the, um, Rob Schneider. I'm not saying literally anyone. I'm just, <laughs> I just think he's he's not the best. He gets roles that he's not the best suited for just purely by virtue of being a bankable name. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. And that's, that's Hollywood, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and he raises, you know, he he get he gets these films into production, so he's bound to be someone who then, you know, wants wants to take the lead role. Obviously, we come with our own filters here. I've I've always been quite a fan of Cruise. You've never liked him, so that was always going to affect our filters. Of it's not I've never liked him. I like. It sounds to me. I like the Mission Impossible films until I saw enough of them to realise that actually. 
you know, when I watch other Tom Cruise films, oh, he's not playing a character. This is Tom Cruise. This is how he thinks reality is. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you first watch him, you seem like, oh, this is cool. And then you realise, oh, actually, no, he does that in every film. You know, he's good at Minority Report. Um, struggling to think of any others, to be fair, that I like him in. No. Top Gun. No. A Top Gun one film of his that I don't like, actually. Not the one film. There's a few films of his I don't like, but I don't even really like him in Top Gun, actually. Um, okay, let's move on from Cruise, just for a second, then. Are we going to play what films did you notice reference exactly, in this exactly film? Exactly. <laughs> so, a little game of I Spy Sci-Fi, which is nice, it rhymes. Um, what, come up with? <laughs> what did you come up with? What name did you... What films did you see in this film? Bingo. <laughs> right then, James. I Spy Sci-Fi. Which films did we spot within Oblivion? Okay, well, we've already mentioned um, Wally, where uh, Tom Cruise played a human Wally. Um, that's the central I... tenet of this film. You know, that's what the film's based around. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and, yeah, let's... Thank God Wally didn't go in the direction this film went in. But, um... <laughs> There, I definitely think there was more than a couple of 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. references, including some. there was an actual kind of star child shot at one point. I'm not going to say what it was about, but there was an actual star child shot. And I was like, oh, my God, you're just borrowing everything now. Um, Total Recall uh, was definitely yeah. an influence. Uh, uh, moon, and we can't really say much more about that. Yeah. Uh, or else we'd ruin both Moon and Oblivion for anyone who hasn't seen it but Moon definitely can I mention um, the Will Smith film would that be too much of a spoiler which which Will Smith film Bad Boys <laughs> uh, no <laughs> Bad Boys uh, 2 Independence Day I, so oh, no. I've heard people say that but I yeah. don't get it oh well okay we'll chat to you afterwards about that there was, yeah. there was yeah. a hint of I Am Legend about it as well sort of last man on earth yeah. scenario yeah I know yeah. there's that um, what people, else did I people say? have said kind of um, you know it's like, it's like Star Wars with the with the drones following Tom Cruise's ship um, some people yeah. said like like you know an actual X, X-Wing and TIE fighter battle some people said it's more like the pod race in Fans of Menace but that was yeah. that was obvious to to many I heard someone on Twitter earlier today say that is Blade Runner the only sci-fi film which hasn't been stolen from <laughs> For this film, which I think would be quite uh, a fair. I think silent, I silent running gets a bit of a, a nod to in there. Day yeah. after tomorrow, oh. I guess. Yeah, it's in there as well. Yeah, yeah it, it it does. It is a mag, and it's not done in a kind of Tarantino esque way either. It is it's done not, in a. I mean, that's, that's what they've tried to sell it as, though, isn't it? They've said that there were a lot of references to other films on purpose. It's not yeah. like they've they've just stolen from it and then lied about it. They, no, yeah. this is completely it's, ours. It's not, it's it takes itself it. very seriously, though. Yeah, it's not done yeah. in the same way as Tarantino would do it, or it's not done in the same way Cabin in the Woods done it with horror. No, it, no, it, it, it's it, not. It didn't. Well, yeah, it didn't feel like to me like it was paying homage. It felt to me like it was blatantly stolen. But if what Owen's saying is correct, then then I just think they've. They've missed the tone yeah. slightly. Then talked, I don't, I don't, they have talked openly about how it's um, you know it draws on a lot of um, older sort of eighties, nineties sci-fi films, and that's what they wanted to to give people of today. 
So no. I don't think it was trying to rip off other films. I think it was definitely trying to pay homage to them. I just don't think it did it well, very well. No, it wasn't very subtle in its homage, was no. it? And when you do that with quite a derivative plot, um, it doesn't help because it does just look like you're quibbing from everywhere. If the plot had been absolutely brilliant, we probably wouldn't have cared that they'd stolen all these bits. And when your mind starts wandering halfway through, because I'll be honest, it's only two hours long and it felt longer. Uh, it to me, it felt too long. There were even bits at that drag. There were bits that started to drag, but then thinking back on it, I can't really think what you'd cut out from the film. I, I think you could. I think you could shake it and lose twenty minutes from it somewhere. It's just little bits and bobs. Um, tight. It could definitely be tightened up. That whole um, that whole bit where it, with him outside the football stadium was just painful. Him, oh, see, I can't that bit, but I like Tom Cruise, so him I quite like Tom Cruise. Him recounting this football match was terrible. Oh, no, see, I, I quite like that scene. I, I, I've, I've, got no, I've got no issue with that. Um, what I have an issue with is they basically looked at all these old sci-fi films, all these great sci-fi films, right, and somewhere a producer's gone, mm, 2001, Wally, all these things, mm, they're good, but you know what would make them better? If we put Tom Cruise in it, <laughs> take any kind of originality or intelligence out of the story, like tell people exactly what they're seeing, uh, and put some gadgets in that Tom Cruise can play around with, and just stick Tom Cruise on screen for like an hour and a half, hour, two hours. It'll work. That's literally the thought process behind this film. What I would say is I, I, I honestly do think with... Uh, I'm going to flip this around from what Jerry said. I think with other actors... Not every other actor, but with other actors in the main role here, I think this would have been a worse film. I honestly do. But that, but we we need to shut up about Tom Cruise now because we're never going to agree. We're never going to see each other's point of view on that. But what I would say is, I don't think anyone is completely satisfied with what we saw. Or would that be would that be fair? I mean, I quite like post-apocalyptic sci-fi stuff anyway, so it was always going to appeal to me on some level. So I did quite enjoy parts of it but it's a very flawed film well, I, think, I, think, um, I, think, I think enjoyable but instantly forgettable is, is quite yeah. yeah if you consider the sort of sea of sci-fi films that are coming out this summer anyway you know Iron Man 3 mm. Star Trek 2 Pacific Rim all that. oh and it's I saw a good. longer trailer for Star Trek and I'm, I'm so <laughs> pantwetting excited for that now yeah so but I mean yeah, I think it's going to get to sort of drowned out by better yeah Films, yeah, and the fact is, I, I'm 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 thinking more about a three-minute trailer I saw before this film than the film, like the minute I came out. So, yeah, it, I, the other thing as well, if you are going to watch it, do go and watch it at the cinema because I cannot imagine it having anywhere near the same impact on a on a home television screen or a laptop or something like that. It's yeah, no, it, it, in a way, it reminds me of, a, of of an inferior version of Prometheus last year. Prometheus also had its problems. Um, but was a lot better than this. Um, but, you know, it, Prometheus was the big sci-fi epic last year, which had amazing production design and possibly wasn't quite the film we all wanted it to be and things like that. This feels like, uh, quite ironically, like a bit of a kind of low-rent rip-off of Prometheus in, in that sense. Um, it tries to be epic in scale. It, it just fails on too many on too many levels but I, I didn't regret watching it I, it was it was decent enough mm. okay uh, I think that's all for this week's podcast then um, what's up next week James next week is our big birthday bash uh, next I can't believe it next week we are a year old 
Um, that's weird and quite wonderful as well. So um, what we're going to be doing, something slightly different next week, we're going to be doing what we've been watching, Second Opinion. See, I'm coming up with all the titles tonight, aren't I? Um, and we're all going to look at films that um, each of us has either loved or hated over the last year. And we'll be giving our second opinion on that. And then we'll also be having a bit of a roundtable discussion with questions that all of our listeners have always wanted to ask us, but have been too afraid. Um, so, yeah. So if you've got any questions that you want us to, or, or topics you want us to discuss uh, next week, then tweet us at, at failed critics and let us know. Okay, and um, what's the next new review we're doing, or don't you know? Uh, the week after that is Iron Man 3. Boom. Very excited. Mm. Um, yeah, wonderful. When are we doing Will Smith's Cor- Corridor of Praise induction? <laughs> just, let, <laughs> let's just make sure Jerry's there. <laughs> I don't have that much of a problem with Will Smith. <laughs> It's only if you like sneak Tom Cruise in without telling me that I'm going to... <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go on holiday and I'll go sneak Tom Cruise in the Corridor Praise. That's clearly what I'm going to do. Because he's not won an Oscar yet. And I, for one, am surprised. I, for one, am not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who has contributed. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from com for the music. <laughs>